tried attacking, but it's not working. What style should I use? Yours. Trust your instincts. Use everything you've learned from me and Sensei Lawrence. All of it. That's right. Every now and then. But uh... Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Marvelous Musings. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Carl LeClaire, and I am joined by, I don't know if she's from Miyagi-Do, Eagle Fang, or Cobra Kai, but it's Katie Horn. Here, I'm going to say I'm from all of them at the same time. I would do that. I would just, I would train at one, and then I would click, quickly change my outfit and go train at the other one. <laughs> I ain't loyal. And then the All Valley would happen and they'd be like, who are you fighting for? And I would just burst into tears and leave. (laughs) All of them. Yes, all of them. I'd just be like, I love you all so much. Oh, Katie, I'm so excited to do. We, uh, we, we've both, there's just so many great stories being thrown around the entertainment world right now from obviously Spider-Man to you and I both were waiting so, so anxiously for season four to drop on uh, New Year's. It was New Year's Eve, right? It was the, thir- it was December 31st mm-hmm. um, for season four of Cobra Kai, which I forgot to include that in the opening, but obviously, yes, we are talking season four of Cobra Kai. <laughs> um, Here we are. <laughs> and uh, wow. I mean, Katie, I don't know about you, but it, Season three was just so flipping good to me. Um, mm-hmm, I mean, I've mm-hmm. I've loved every season. Um, I feel like they each just just I mean, it's so well written that they are perfectly building on each other. But that that f- that final episode of season three with them, you know, coming out to the Genesis song and bowing to each other and like, oh, oh it just it was just such the it, a perfect ending of 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 as we've talked about, you know, together, um, it, it really starting the process of healing specifically between Daniel and Johnny. Yeah. Um, and then, oh. and the thing that like really struck me is just in those, just in the, literally the, the opening moments of season four, I think what I really like about Cobra Kai is how mature it deals with the reality of what's going on in the very show we're we're watching. And what I guess what I mean by that is is like there are some pretty over the top things in the show. Like the fight in the school that yeah. lasts for like twenty minutes, like that would never happen in real life. Never. Not a chance. Um yeah, an all out karate ball. Yeah, yeah like this is <laughs> that's not real. But at the same time, the way they then pick up season three with like now there's all these new like you know policies at the school like the the, mm-hmm. the reputation of karate in the town has has really taken a hit right so there's there are actually real consequences to these kind of ridiculous events um, yeah and i love that about this show too where it exists in this heightened reality where things like an all-out karate brawl at the high school can happen but then it also deals with as you said the consequences the fallout of these actions it makes it feel like a lived-in world I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, we do end season three with just like, it's such a warm feeling the way that it ends, you know, Dimitri and Hawk makeup, like everything is about these folks healing. Um, But again, 
it's it and this is where like kind of the genius of it is is well they're starting the process and then season four opens and i just love the way they even play the music again a a huge shout out to the the composers of of cobra kai it's leo burenberg and and zach robinson these two are just phenomenal at composing the score but you have daniel giving the kind of miyagi do talk and then you've got you know you've got that peaceful kind of you know guitar string instruments and then johnny starts talking and it's the electric (laughs) guitar and it's like it's just like such a it's being presented as if they're you know they're they're teaching these opposite things and right from the opening minutes it's like yes they're finally together but it's like that doesn't mean they're gonna mesh right away right and and we feel those growing pains from minute one of the first episode oh Carl, you know, I almost want to take a step back for a second. I love this. I'm so excited to jump in. But since this is our first time talking about Cobra Kai, I almost kind of want to talk about, like, how did you come to Cobra Kai? Like, were you a big Karate Kid fan? Yeah, I'm kind of throwing this to you out of nowhere. But I'm like, you know what? I actually really want to know. Yeah, Yeah. no. um, And to answer the question, no, I really wasn't. Like, I mean, I saw the movies as a kid. And I mean, I enjoyed them for what they were. I think I'd seen mm-hmm. the first movie maybe three times in my life before this show came out. And in the other two movies, I think I saw once. Um, so, I mean, I was they were entertaining. I enjoyed them. And right when the show started, it was on it was YouTube TV's like first push into the streaming right? world. And they gave you the I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And they gave us the first two episodes for free. You know, and I mean, which to to be fair they were really confident with this show as they should mm-hmm. have been because the first two episodes of this show are just i mean they're great <laughs> and yes. um i was tempted to get youtube tv even though i had there was literally nothing else on there of interest um <laughs> but uh yeah. that's how they get you, oh, they, you know. Know, these these streaming platforms yes. they'll have like the one thing you want to watch and you're like yeah. god damn yeah (laughs) and they know that because it's like okay well fine i'll just sign up for the month bidget and then cancel but they know i think they know the most of us we're just too lazy to go to the cancel page um they've got their hooks in us um i am really glad netflix grabbed it because i certainly use that much more um yes but yeah no i mean that's just kind of I, i i tried the free episodes on youtube and i was just like holy crap um this is amazing and uh yeah it 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 wasn't like I wasn't like when the show was announced. I'm like, oh, great. Another nostalgia thing. Right. Like that, Me was, too. that was honestly my initial response, because, again, I'm not a huge co- like I was never a big Karate Kid fan. Um, they were fine. But it's just like, Jesus, like another thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember I had similar thoughts where I was all like, oh, Cobra Kai. OK, we're doing another like nostalgia reboot thing. And I was not terribly interested. It wasn't until it came to Netflix. And then my beloved was just watching it. I didn't come in until like episode three. It wasn't even like, hey, you want to watch this? And I said, no, it was just on. It was just around. And I just kind of sat down on the couch was like, oh, what you watching? <laughs> so I actually missed like the first two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to go back and watch them because like, I, I don't know, as soon as I sat down, I don't even remember what was happening, but I remember just kind of being like immediately invested and being like, what is this? This is great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for, yeah, for me, yeah. Karate Kid was definitely something I saw. It just kind of feels like if you grew up in the, you know, late eighties, early nineties, you, uh, or, or sorry, if you were born, if you were a kid, then the karate kid was definitely like just a property that was just kind of there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, I I remember I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. 
this is, you know, it's nice. Uh, I watched the fourth one, the one with Hillary Swank, a lot. <laughs> and I'm not even sure why. I, I just think it was on TV a lot. And every, anytime it was on, I would just watch it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, when they were like, we're going to do a Cobra Kai based on, you know, the original three, I was just kind of like, eh, not so much for me. Boy, howdy, was I wrong. <laughs> 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 just i don't know the the intelligence the emotional intelligence with which they have gone into this show where i i'm sorry i need to look up who is writing the show and who are the showrunners because they're so smart where they're like you know our real in with this show the the thing that's going to get you hooked and invested kind of is the guy who lost the fight in the mm-hmm. first movie, the kid, the kid that we left on the floor, that's our guy, you know, that's our into this universe. And that's how the story is going to be fresh. And then that's how this story is going to feel like, like it actually needs to be told, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's so smart. And then they just, they continue this emotional intelligence where, I don't know. Everything, the progressions always feel natural. Like you said, the consequences always feel earned and real. And so then, yeah, by the time we're at the end of season three and Johnny and Daniel are willing to make real steps towards each other, or at least at the very least, they're allowed, they're allowing themselves to make an alliance of convenience (laughs) (laughs) to be all like, well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I guess I'll work with you wow, does that feel earned? And and you were, yeah. you said that so perfectly where the end of season three, it was so good to us. It it was like everything I wanted. It was what I wanted from Star Wars, you know, the light and the dark coming together. Ah, oh, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, we, we were both super hyped for season four. Yeah. Well, and cause I think did, did Netflix take over with season two? I, I think it did. Yes. Yeah. Cause season yeah. one was definitely all YouTube TV. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. Well, and like, I think another thing that really stands out to me about the series as a whole, Katie is just, um, you know, the way they deal with nostalgia. Um, there's something, I mean, Daniel and Johnny both are, they remind me of like so many times when I'm around my hometown and I hear like, certain family members who still live in the same town like their whole lives, which again, to, to be fair, like that was a lot more common than it is now, right? Like people in our generation and even younger tend to tend to move away, tend to move somewhere else. Right. So I I don't, I don't say that to shame it just to say that like what it makes me think of from that though, is like the folks that are like, Hey, remember like this from high school? Remember, like it's like they hold on to the past because it still means so much to them. It's so immortalized. Um, And I think, giving us that with both Johnny and Daniel. Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't giving it to us to be like, Hey, always remember this, remember this, remember this, but it's more like, remember this. You're still, you have a lot of growing to do, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just, it quickly, I mean, it immediately became this show. I never expected for this. The very reason you were saying is that very first episode, you're like, wait a minute. Johnny Lawrence is mm-hmm. the hero of the story. And you and I have talked about this a lot, how like season one in a, a, in a, in a certain light, Daniel's kind of the villain of season one, he, you know, 
I just want, oh my gosh, I have so much warmth and affection and appreciation for Ralph Macchio. Mm. Mm -hmm. I really do, because I don't think there's a ton of actors who would have starred in a very popular trilogy (laughs) from the (laughs) 80s who you could approach them and say, hey, we're bringing, we would like to bring you back. You're going to kind of be the villain for a little bit. Yeah. And, and for that actor to be all like, great, I'm on board. (laughs) You know what I mean? I, I think just from the interviews that Ralph Macchio has done and the way he talks about the series, he seems to get it. Like he seems Mm. to genuinely understand that this is Cobra Kai as a series is a more complicated show it's a show that deals in shades of gray rather than the original trilogy, which very much dealt in blacks and whites, you know, I mean, literally they're uniforms, you know, Johnny wears black, Daniel wears white, you know, guy in black, bad guy in white, good, you know, and this is a show that deals in gray and Ralph Maggio has expressed that he was really excited to find a Daniel that exists in this world of gray. And that touched me so much. Mm. But yeah, like you said, in, in season one, he he's, we're looking at Daniel through Johnny's eyes and it's not a pretty picture. You know, we, we as viewers, you know, and, and, and as fans of the original Karate Kid, we know that Daniel is better than that. And it, it, he has the potential to be better than that. But, uh, but yeah, when, when we're looking at him, with Johnny as the good guy. Again, when you're dealing with black and white, when Johnny is the good guy, full stop, the Mm. good guy, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the way he sees himself. Then of course, Daniel's going to be the bad guy, full stop. And what they need to do what this show is doing is moving past that and being like, Oh, they're good guys, bad guys, made up words. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Wait, Katie, did you invite DJ? I absolutely did. He lives here now. He sleeps on my couch. Oh. <laughs> it's funny because BB-8's over here making a case for why he didn't steal the ship. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, oh, yeah. Well, uh, so, you know, so just, just for the sake of I, I like where you, where you took us, Katie, um, just mm, for mm-hmm, the sake mm-hmm. of like just generally speaking, how do, how do you think you would define – Seasons one through three, and now I'm throwing this back on you, and let me hopefully make sense of the question. So if you just had to say, like, what was the general theme of seasons one, two, and three, and then, like, what are we now unpacking in four, Um, right? Like, I think season one really was about just turning this story on its head, especially in its its first half of the season, right? It was really introducing us to, like you were just saying, full stop, the the new good guy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, how has the show progressed in in your in your eyes oh my goodness that that's a great question so season one is very much like a reawakening you know Mm -hmm. we we have been asleep for a long time what what does crease say he calls it brumation yes right Mm -hmm. where yeah uh, not like hibernation the reptiles brumate they go under the ground and they then they're they're awake (laughs) the whole time just waiting and that's very much been you know, this season, uh, sorry, that's very much been Johnny's life. And so season one is very much that reawakening and, you know, coming, coming back to the surface. And then once we're up there, season two, uh, it, 
it becomes more complicated. We, we, you know, now that Johnny's awake, crease is awake and, mm. um, it, it's about the conflict, <laughs> you know, now, now, now that we're all on the surface again, we kind of have to, I don't know. We all have to live here and find a way to get along, but we can't get along right away. We, we have to fight first, you know? And so that that's the build up to season three, to that midpoint, mm, that quote unquote yeah. false victory in yeah. a, in a, in a three act structure, right. Uh, of a, of a story. The midpoint is either a false defeat for the character or a false victory. And I think the end of season three is very much a false victory where it's like, Oh, we've come together and that feels so good, but that victory is untested. That victory will crack under the first sign of strain because they haven't come together authentically. Mm, You know, they haven't, they haven't, you know, they're not, Oh, I love you. I love you too. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they're like, well, we'll work together for now. And then we see that in season four where it, you know, that relationship immediately crumbles under stress, you know? Yep. Yeah. So season four, you know, now that the characters have reawoken and they found their footing, the season four is about taking those first steps into adulthood. And I'm actually really glad you asked that question because that was a big theme that I saw in season four was this question of, are you ready to be a man? Mm. You know, are you ready to stand on your own? And I think that's something that Johnny like literally says to Miguel in the, in the finale when uh, Johnny really, really wants Miguel to, to stand and fight for for the all valley really you know for for the soul of the all valley you know stand and fight cobra kai but at at great personal physical risk to miguel miguel has hurt his back and entering this fight could damage him permanently Mm -hmm. you know he could conceivably lose his ability to walk again but johnny is willing to put miguel in that danger and and he says, you know, show me that you're ready to be a man. And, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and Miguel, Miguel does that. He decides, you know, I, I am ready to be a man. I am ready to take those first steps. And he chooses a different path. He chooses not to fight. Yeah. And that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because now I feel like we're, we're really on our way. At the end of season four, we are now truly on our way where all of our characters have kind of chosen a path and they're ready to walk it finally, you know, after so long. We, we've reawoken, we've found our footing, and now we're truly stepping forward. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think. So you and I have talked. Apologize to like people that are listening. You and I have talked because clearly you and I we we love to text. I love I love, yes. you know, I love just like chit chat every time either one of us is watching this show or lots of other things that we love. We tend to text. Yep. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, we were talking about how season four really felt a lot like Johnny and Daniel's story more so mm-hmm. than the kids from previous seasons. Again, not that they're not still a huge part because of course they are. But I think what's really what I really love about season four uh, and and we get this obviously specifically with Miguel and Sam is they become the teachers. They have to teach the parents, in a sense, how to grow up. (laughs) Right. Right. And I love like that, that that 
part point you were just talking about the fact that Miguel chooses not to go out because it's not worth the risk. And when he says to Sam, I, you know, I got to the point where I felt like I wasn't fighting for me anymore. I was fighting, you know, I was, I was a pawn essentially. And Sam felt the same way. And that's, and that's so much of both of their tensions throughout the season. Um, So I love that, like, we take a step back from their drama because Johnny and Daniels is so pronounced as they try to work together that right. it takes Sam and Miguel uh, to really kind of coach them on how to work together. Uh, so I love that that's kind of, you know, I, I it's really beautiful that everything they've been given through the previous seasons from the things they've learned from Daniel and Johnny, they've learned how to make it their own, which is a lot of what the season's about for them. Yeah. And because they're able to see past the bullshit, <laughs> you know, yes, <laughs> they're they're the ones that have to kind of teach these still somewhat immature adults how to be adults. Yeah. Um, you know, I was having this thought and it's not even really a fully formed thought, but I think there's something there. Tell me what you think where. uh there's so much this theme of adulthood and standing on your own and, and becoming an adult in this season. But there's also this theme of like fatherhood and, you know, what does it mean to be a father? What does it mean to be a parent? You know, and, and Miguel is like, you know, Sam will say like, I feel so much pressure from my dad. And then Miguel will be like, yeah, well, but Johnny's not my dad. Mm. And I think maybe part of adulthood, you know, Maybe adulthood is when, you know, having a father is, it's a matter of mutual agreement, you Mm. know? Because when you're a kid, you don't get to choose who your father is. But at a certain point, you know, letting somebody mentor you, letting someone be a father to you, you know, when you're an adult, that's a matter of mutual agreement, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Johnny has to want to mentor and love Miguel as a father, but Miguel has to want to let him do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's a big part of adulthood. Yeah. That's, I don't know. What do you uh, think? I know. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> I don't have any oh, Sorry. I'm coming no, at you're you. good. Like, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Um, mm-hmm. but, well, well, it's the same with like was Crease and Johnny, you yeah, know, because yeah. oh, they break my heart. I love their relationship, and I'm I'm really eager to see that relationship meted out because it's so obvious that Crease cares about Johnny so much, but there's just so much damage there. Mm-hmm. Where one Crease doesn't know how to be a good father to Johnny, and Johnny's walls are still up, and he you know doesn't he doesn't want Crease to be his dad. You know, not at least not in the way he used to, because when right. he was a kid, absolutely. He's like, you know, he looked up to Crease, never questioned him, you know. And but now they're both adults. And if they're going to have that father son role, they have to mutually agree to it. Yeah. And gosh, I love that about this show, because the show kind of, you know, it's not just the kids who are becoming adults in a real way. The adults are also becoming adults, you know, even Crease and Terry Silver, you know, the, the third generation up. You know, I, I love this idea that we're all becoming, you know, we're always growing and always changing. And there's no point where we're like done. 
Right. You know what I mean? Well, and, uh, and, and so, yeah, Crease, Crease and Terry Silver also have to become adults in a way, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and, I mean, clearly, like at the end of the, the very final episode, when, when Silver finally tells Crease that he's his weakness and he has to shed that skin. I mean, even that analogy, right? I mean, right. Of right. these snakes that, you know, you have to shed what, what wasn't working. Um, mm-hmm. so that you can grow into something better ideally. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no. And, and well, I think something I love, and this is, I mean, f- right from season one, I still think my favorite relationship in the show is Miguel and Johnny. Um, yeah. That's the heart of yeah. the show. I'm sorry. Yes. Just real quick. The way Daniel and Miyagi's relationship was like the heart of the original trilogy. And it's the same with the fourth movie with uh, Julie Pierce Mm -hmm. and Mr. Miyagi. Their relationship is the heart of that movie. The heart of this series is Johnny and Miguel. Like, yes, Johnny and Daniel's relationship is super important. And that relationship is what's going to like fix the show. (laughs) If Johnny and Daniel become best friends, heal the all Valley, everything's great. But Miguel hates Johnny and doesn't want him as his dad, then the show has failed. You know what I mean? Like that's the heart of this show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, and sorry. No, you're fine. (laughs) I went off. That's, I mean, the thing I love about their relationship is, and it's the same thing from the original movies is while I think, you know, the analogy of father and son is, is really, really accurate for them. It is also mass. It is also master and apprentice, though. I mean, there. I think right. it's it's really neat. I mean, this is something that doesn't exist that much in our lived world, right? These these types of relationships of a mentor and a mentee. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I so as someone who has ardently thrown myself into a, a spiritual journey my whole life, I've always had a spiritual director. This person that I meet with that I kind of look up to to help guide that part of my life. And it's such a unique relationship that I've always had with these particular individuals in my life. That is, I mean, to me, the closest reflection is, you know, a sensei and his student. Um, I mean, I, they don't teach me how to kick ass. Um, but I I (laughs) guess, I I guess maybe just the inner demons, but, um, (laughs) um, but you know, like I just, I love how, how that relationship is explored. Um, and, and again, there's something unique with Miguel and Johnny, even, you know, Sam and Daniel kind of become, uh, well, I would say more Robbie and Daniel kind right. of become that, that the mirror of that, um, because Daniel's relationship with Sam is literally, you know, parent yes. and child. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they can never, you know, in an interesting way, they can't really ever fully enter into the relationship of sensei and student. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because there's always going to be that closeness there. Yes. Like no matter what, you know, it's going to be a father talking to a daughter. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my goodness, Katie, this just literally popped into my head and it might come out of left yeah. field, but I wonder how much Daniel might feel like a John Kreese in so far as how he f- somewhat failed with Robbie. Um, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, Crease seems to let down Johnny and it messes up his whole life. Well, Daniel was training Robbie, and then, you know, to use Star Wars language, Robbie goes to the dark side. Um, yeah. Ooh, speaking well, of, I love when. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> when uh, Dimitri says that <laughs> in the end, yeah. when he goes, he goes, I hated fighting Robbie when he was on 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 the light side. Now he's on the dark side. And then Hawk so adorably just pokes in. Hey, yeah, but how did Obi Wan beat uh, beat Anakin? You know, you have the height. Use the high ground. <laughs> yeah, you're taller. Yeah, <laughs> you're taller. You have the high ground. <laughs> that was so cute. But uh, yeah, there there is a real betrayal between Johnny and not Johnny, sorry, Daniel and Robbie that I, I feel like is still unaddressed. And that's when Daniel called the cops on Robbie and had him sent to juvie. That's, I mean, you know, Daniel did his best. He was like, you know, it's only going to be worse for you. You know, if if you, if you run from the cops, it's only going to be worse. And, and he said, I'll come visit you. I'll come visit you every week. And and Robbie was the one who cut ties and said, no, don't bother, just because he felt so betrayed. Um, and I mean, and, and Daniel was there when Robbie got out of juvie, you know, because he wanted to make sure that Robbie was going to be OK and, you know, mm-hmm. that he would have a ride home if he needed it. And so Daniel really has does done his best, but there there's that wound there that has yet to be addressed. And and so, yeah, I feel like. Um, you know, to, to say that Daniel is exactly John Kreese to Robbie, right. you know, it, you know, it, it's not it's not one to one because, sure. you know, Daniel never like <laughs> put Robbie in a chokehold, right. you know, the way the way Kreese did with Johnny. But that emotional betrayal is still there. Robbie feels betrayed by jo- Daniel the same way Johnny does by Kreese. And so, yeah, if this fatherhood thing is a matter of mutual agreement, or at least, you know, the mentorship is needs to be mutually agreed upon. Robbie has closed that door on Daniel and there can't be healing until until they open it or they or they find a way to to move past it. Yeah. 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 Well, I you know, I think my favorite part of season four is kind of the theme of season four, which is the uh the letting go of strict dogma or, you know, the the letting go of a right and a wrong way, you know, to find your own way. I loved that. And I loved when they pulled in the clip from the third Karate Kid movie where, uh, where Mr. Miyagi is telling Daniel that, you know, I can plant the tree, but the tree chooses its own way to grow. Mm -hmm. And Daniel, young Daniel's like, well, I want to be just like you. I want to do things your way. And Mr. Miyagi just kind of laughs, you know, in his knowing sagely way. And he goes, yes, but one day you do own way. Yeah. I love that. love that. Daniel never clearly, clearly up to this point has not learned his own way. And, and mm-hmm. that's what I, I mean, I just love, I mean, like we were talking about right at the beginning here, right? How the season ends with this tension between these two very different forms of karate um, and the whole tension of the first half of the season, or really most of the season is that tension of um, it, it. I I mean, I feel like it's more overtly coming off Daniel, which is this is the right way to do. This is how we do karate. Right. This is the right way to do karate. I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Johnny ever uses those absolute languages. Um, I mean, he I does. I feel like you're right. Yeah, I feel like you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And like um, I'm trying to remember which one of them was the one that kind of initiated the let's learn each other styles. Um, oh, I wish I could remember. I know, I know I it's the scene when he's. Um, you know, they're 
Oh, I can like I can see them. T- you know what? I think it was Johnny because Johnny was, was like, you know what? Respect is a two way street. That's right. Do you yeah. respect my way? Yeah. And Daniel was like, Ugh. right, because <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah. And that's when I think they started trying to learn each other's styles. But yep. and I, you know, I I love Daniel. I don't want to make it sound like I think Daniel's like the villain all the time, but I do think he he's the one that is all like, you know what? We're going to have to focus on one way over another. And my way always beats your way in a fight. So I'm going to have to take over training of the kids. And that's that was when things really cracked between them. That was when Johnny was like, excuse me. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's- yeah. That, that's what made them fight each other. You know, they had yep. that big, you know, rematch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, and the kids were like streaming it online. Loved it. Oh my gosh, I think it's Chris <laughs> yeah. who's doing the commentary too. He's so yes. funny. I love his commentary. Yeah, um, but that was because Daniel was like, "Listen, my way always beats your way in a fight," and Johnny was like, "No, it does not." Yeah. <laughs> so they put yeah. it to the test, and then neither one of them beats the other. And I was like, "Oh, that's so perfect." Right? Because I was like. I don't know. I was watching them fight and I was like, man, no matter who wins, I'm going to be so mad. Yep. But then neither one of them wins. And I was like, oh, perfect. Yes. Oh, these writers are so smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, and what I love is that Daniel does pull out what Chosen had taught him in season three. Like he uses that move oh, yeah. on Johnny. Oh, and he's yes. like, what the hell, man? Right. Because he makes his arm go numb. <laughs> yep. um, and but then quickly counters it by just a tackling him with his legs and getting the hit in, you know? So it's like, so even though Daniel's learned some new aggressive things, he hasn't mastered them. Exactly. Um, And maybe Johnny has something to teach you about that. Exactly. Uh, Well, that's Johnny's, Johnny's whole thing is defeat does not exist. And I mm. love that because I mean, that's, um, Oh, I wish I could remember who said it. I feel so bad. Uh, but there's that quote with, um, failure this thing that we call failure is not the falling down but the staying down and johnny has been knocked down so many times he will always get back up so it doesn't matter. sure go ahead make his arms numb he's gonna kick you with his legs <laughs> and i think yeah that's something daniel could absolutely learn from there there is something admirable in that isn't there right yeah absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. defeat does not exist you know, don't stay down. Get back up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think I I love this whole theme of who's who's whose way is the right way um, is just Your so. It, yeah, it's so important um, because, you know, as somebody who who exists in a in a religious world, like both professionally and personally, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I get so 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 angry at religious folks that always say their way is the right way um right, right, fill in right. the blank i mean my, most of my lived experience of that is a certain form of christianity um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh you know they they're so beholden to where the right way and everyone else is wrong um, right and it's well, just you like, see that oh sorry yeah, go well, ahead and they're just gonna you know i mean that is always the wrong way to be <laughs> because you know you're immediately i mean just even in a theological sense you've auto, then you've already boxed in the divine and as soon as you box in the divine you're effing wrong <laughs> so yeah. to think well, that the divine yeah. can't exist outside of your 
human construction is the epitome of ignorant and arrogant. So, uh, to say that if yeah. the Jedi die, the light dies is vanity. Can you feel that? Ah, mwah, chef's yeah. kiss. <laughs> but I mean, you see that, you, you'll see that everywhere. You see that in families where mm. a family will be all like, we do this, we do not do that. And if you, you know, step out of those bounds, then you are no longer part of this family. You know what I mean? Yeah, you'll see that everywhere. And it's that it's a trap that Daniel falls into where he so desperately wants to honor Mr. Miyagi because Mr. Miyagi meant so much to him. And you can, you can relate to that, right? He loves Mr. Miyagi so much and he loves this, you know, centuries of tradition that has been passed down to him. And in his mind, if his daughter breaks away from these traditions, if she, you know, does something differently or, or, or does something that in his mind, you know, is, is the opposite of what we do. This is what we do. We are defensive. We do not attack. Mm-hmm. So the moment Sam starts to be aggressive, he, he needs to tamp that down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, yeah, again, because in his mind, he has to honor and preserve tradition but at the expense of his daughter and at the expense of her growing and becoming. And thankfully by the end of the season, he sees the folly in that. And, and I, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of just about everybody this season. You know, I feel like some real steps have been made. Yeah. I need to talk about crease. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Let's talk about crease. Okay, but to talk about Crease, we also have to talk about Terry Silver. (laughs) (laughs) There is a link there. Oh, they're absolutely connected. They're, you know, this is a show very much about like dyads. You know, every everybody has that person that compliments them in the force, right? You know, for Daniel, it's Johnny. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. For Crease, it's very much Terry Silver. They 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 are these two souls almost that are linked. You know, they they were brought together by terrible circumstances and they saw each other through this war. And then when they came home, you know, they were like we're going to stick together. We're going to, you know, pass on what we've learned. We're, you know, they felt like there was no place for them in this new world. That's that was something that Kreese talks about you know, with Johnny, where he says, you know, I, you know, he came home and people were suddenly calling him, you know, murderer, Mm -hmm. you know, people, you know, he went and he fought for his life and he felt like he was fighting for his country. He felt like he was fighting for a good thing. And when he comes home, he's demonized for that, you know, him and Terry. So they felt like they could carve out a little place for themselves, you know, and, and teach young people. And Terry, wasn't brave enough to take it. You know, he says that my dad wants me to leave all this karate stuff behind, wants me to just put Vietnam behind me. And he says that if I don't, then he's going to cut me out of the inheritance, you know, and, and, you know, and cut him out of the family. And that, that's such a hard position to be in, you know what I mean? Where he has to choose between his best friend and his family. But he should have chosen his best friend, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean there? He, he gave up Johnny, uh, Johnny crease, John (laughs) crease. He gave up his best friend for the safety and the protection of his family. And that's Terry Silver's great weakness, right? Is this cowardice, you know? I mean, I I hesitate to call call it cowardice, but 
I don't know, he has this great immense fear in him. That's why, you know, in, in the flashbacks, he wasn't able to fight for himself. When someone held a gun to his head and told him to fight for his life, he couldn't do it. And it was up to Kreese to stand up and fight for him, you know? And so then when they came home and his father, Terry's father, was like, you, you know, if you want my money and my safety and my protection, this is what you have to do. You have to, you know, put your friends aside. Yeah, Terry did that. And, it, and it's heartbreaking. And then you just see the immense guilt that that has put on him. I think that's what brought him back to, to Crease, right? That's what brought him back to Cobra Kai. You know, he had this very safe life, you know, with, with his girlfriend, whose name I can't remember. I feel really bad about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we yeah. see that he has this very comfortable life now, but something brings him back to Cobra Kai. And I think it's, it's the guilt you know, mm. he wants to go back and he wants to make this right. And I love that. He really surprised me this season. What do you think about Terry Silver? Because I was blown away. Well, I think from just outside the sh- the actual story part of the show, I've just been so impressed with the acting. Um, yes, you know, these, correct. <laughs> these are folks that, as far as I know, haven't really been in that world um, in mm-hmm. a long time. Uh, and I think... So just I don't know the I can't remember the actor's name that plays Terry Silver, but I've just been just super impressed with the nuance of his acting, you know, for someone yes. who's presumably been out of the game for a while. Right. And 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 I, I mean, I think the one who wins the gold on that is William Zapka, you know, who plays John. Yes. Um, oh my god, yeah, no, they got so lucky with him that he's just so good. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, I think. You know, so as far as Terry Silver goes, I remember before before the season even came out, and right, we got the trailers. We knew we knew he was coming. Um, I mean, even season three, when and when Crease calls somebody, it's like, oh, it's got to it's got to be Terry Silver. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I think it was around that time you rewatched the third Karate Kid movie, <laughs> yes. and you texted me and you were like. I love this. Terry Silver is kind of like, he is chaos. Like he is this chaos. Yeah. And, um, so I, I mean, I just loved that. I mean, I haven't seen the third karate kid in a while. Um, so I just like, I, I just loved the way you described that. So that's kind of how I observed his character is, is this was this kind of chaotic force. And I mean, that's really what he was in season three. And I, and I loved the way it starts with him. You know, he is, like you said, he's living this very posh, life in a bubble um, where in a lot of ways, like he's doing what is quote unquote acceptable, right? Like he's living right. the good life as, as, as our culture de- defines it. And yep. I loved that when his phone rings and that, you know, those open that literal opening shot and he sees that it's John crease and he just hangs up. Um, yeah. And, and, oh. and I, I love the, the initial, right? Like it's, uh, it, this is not a, a one-to-one with last Jedi, but you know, I think for a lot of folks, it's like, oh, Ray's going to go there and Luke's just going to train her, right? Like there's just going to be right? this quick overlap. And, I, and yep. I was like, oh, darn it. I bet you that's obviously Terry Silver. He's just going to come right back. But I love that he kind of says no initially, you know, exactly. and, and keeps <gasps> saying no. Um, it's so, so smart. I'm sorry. That's yeah. just so smart. That was that was one. So I, I've studied creative writing and I've studied, you know, the movie making process and stuff like that. And and one of the first things they teach you is to don't do something so obvious, you know? And, and that's not to say, oh, you need to be constantly pulling the rug out from under people. But if you want to keep people engaged, if you want to keep people 
you know, invested in a story, don't do something so obvious. You know, of course, you know, we would have been like, oh, but of course, if he answers the phone, Terry Silver answers the phone, is like, oh, hey, Johnny. Yeah, I was just waiting here slightly off screen, just off stage, waiting for you to invite me into this story. No, it feels so much more real and lived in if he's like doing his own thing. He has his own bubble and he just doesn't, you know, he ostensibly doesn't even care about this karate stuff anymore. Oh, it's just a high school tournament. I'm so <laughs> above it. Like, yeah. doesn't that feel more real? Isn't that more engaging? Yes. Mm, chef's well, kiss. Like, mm, mm, and, <laughs> well, and I love when, you know, he and. Um, when Johnny goes to see him, uh, and he's, you know, he's at the party and everything, and, and there's such a difference of, you know, of lifestyles. Right. When he and Terry are having that, just the two of them are having that conversation on, get this, Katie, a balcony. Um, a balcony. Oh, you're, I love balcony what scenes. Is a balcony? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, when Terry kind of re, like, re, re remembers, all the crazy stuff he did, you know, he's like, I was so hopped up on cocaine and, and fame and money. I tortured a kid. Like I, you know, I, I yes. and, and like, again, like, like we were talking about earlier, right. It, it calls out the absurdity of some of these was, things. And it was so absurd. I just, I, go ahead. Yes. I loved that. I was like, yeah, when he was just all like, oh my God, I was doing so much coke. I was like, of course, of course. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that it was, it was so absurd. Like the, the things he does in the third movie are so chaotic. You're like, how is this a real person? He's yeah. a, cartoon He's a cartoon villain. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and then how do you take that? Like, yes, Cobra Kai exists in an extremely heightened reality, but how do you take that cartoon villain and bring him back down to reality like this? I think they did a great job where they're just all like, okay, all that stuff he did in the third movie, he was out of his mind on cocaine but he's better now. Look, he he's calm. He's, you know, he's, he, he's in therapy, uh, all this stuff. But then by like the end of season four, where we've like really gotten to the root of like why he was so messed up, like why he would have like been on cocaine and yeah. just been like losing his mind, you know? Well, you, oh, I love it. I love it. We've really it, like dug into those feelings and brought them back up to the surface. Yeah. You know? Well, and it just, it makes yeah. me think of like, uh, I, I love the way you put it, like how, how Terry Silver with all the backstory stuff, it's, it's, he's always been so dependent. Um, yes. you know, he was dependent yeah. on Johnny to keep him alive in Vietnam. And then he was dependent upon his father's like wealth and influence to, to survive being back in a, a world that didn't want him. Um, yes. and I think, Maybe part of the reason John, John Kreese goes the way he does is because he also loses his – he loses part of himself when Terry yeah. doesn't initially sign up with him. And it makes me think about how – what we've kind of learned is that Terry Silver self-medicates. And yeah. <laughs> I mean he literally does that in the fortune world because he's clearly not fulfilled. So he's hopped up on cocaine. He's, you know, mm -hmm. um, and uh, not, not to shame people with, with drug problems, but right. Like, oh, self, absolutely. Self, absolutely. But, but like, Sidebar. Yeah, I don't know yeah, yeah. anything about addic addiction and I don't judge anyone who struggles with addiction. Right. Same Full here. stop. Yeah. Um, yep. But there seems to be a level of self medication there, right? There's, it's a self soothing mm -hmm. technique. Um, and, and, John Kreese calls him on that. Like this new world is just a new addiction for him in a sense, right? Like he inhabits this world because it's supposed to be what he's supposed to do. 
Um, and, uh, yeah. So like when that all comes unraveled for him, I mean, the scene when he gets dressed down by John Kreese, you know, about like soldiers taking orders and how dare you step out of line. And I mean, just the, the immediate regression. And again, a, a kudos to the actor in this scene. Um, you know, just the way he regresses to almost like a petulant child. Like he's a submissive child here. Like he's, he's the one with all the money. He's the one with some levels of connections in our quote real world. And Mm -hmm. here he does gets dressed down by a karate guru. And he, you know, he immediately just seems to cower. Um, it's like, yeah, he, he and Johnny again, we're, we're all growing. We're all becoming. And crease, has never allowed Terry to like be an equal with him, you know, and, and be a fully formed adult in this relationship, right? Because a true relationship is between two equals, you know, people who have equal say in a relationship, you know, that's a real, that's a dyad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and crease and silver are meant to be a dyad. They're meant to be equals and to walk this path together. But to use Star Wars terms, you know, I think I texted this to you. They are very old school Sith Mm -hmm. because the dark side, you know, in Star Wars terms, the dark side doesn't want to be vulnerable. You've been hurt so much before that you refuse to let anybody hurt you. So when you're in a relationship, when you're in a dark side relationship and you are closed off like that, you say, there is a master and an apprentice, (laughs) right? Instead of two equals, you have one person that gives the orders and one person that takes the orders. And that's very much crease and silver, where as soon as silver starts to get out of line and to like have his own opinions and, and even get like, get mad at crease, you know, instead of working through that as equals, Crease lays down the law where he's like, no, 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 no. I'm the master and you're the apprentice. You listen to me. You follow my orders. And then Silver just kind of immediately falls back into that role because he doesn't want to lose this person that, you know, means so much to him. You know, and then, of course, it it also feeds into just like his kind of innate. Again, I want a better word than cowardice, but that's the word I have right now. You know, it kind of feeds into that cowardice, that that part of him that craves safety, mm-hmm. you know. So when Crease starts to, like, dominate him, Silver falls in line and he's like, yes, of course, of course, you're the captain. I follow your orders. No, 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 no. Yeah. And then, mm, I love this. I love that the breaking point for him, the point, the part that, like, makes Silver be like, I'm going to stand up. And be my own man. And very much in a Sith way, you know, just cut down his master and stand on his own, right? The breaking point for him is when Kreese says, hey, let Tori do what she wants. Mm, let her do what she wants. Like, okay, hang on. Let me back up. <laughs> so Tori <laughs> is in the championship fight with uh, Sam, right? Mm-hmm. And Silver is like, hey, hey. Just, you know, just cheat a little bit. It's not a big deal. Just, you know, knock her with your elbow. Oops, I got her with my elbow right in the face, you know? He's like, just go for it. It'll be fine. And Tori's not having any of that. She's like, I don't need to cheat to win. And that's, like, such a big moment for Crease. 
Yeah. I'm so proud of him, you know, because Crease, while Tori is fighting with Silver, Crease is looking at Johnny and remembering all the ways he failed Johnny and how this is the exact same way he lost Johnny was when he told Johnny to cheat in his fight against Daniel. Oh, that's Crease's turning point is when, you know, he looks over and he says, hey, leave her alone. Let her do what she wants. And then he looks at Tori and he says, hey, you've come this far. It's your fight now. It's all up to you. And it's beautiful and it's perfect. And I'm crying. But of course, like, how is Terry supposed to take that? You know what I mean? Like, oh, Tori can do what she wants. Tori can do whatever she wants, but I have to follow orders. Okay, I see how it is. <laughs> and so, yeah, that that's absolutely his breaking point. That's where he's all like, Mm-mm, I'm going to, you know what? Maybe I frame like attempted murder. <laughs> mm, yeah. Ugh. Oh, right. it's so well, good. It, right. It's and then see, so like once again, once he's, he's kind of belittled back into his place, he starts slamming a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And again, yeah. I, I, I say that not to 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 judge or condemn that behavior. But again, it's like exactly yep. when when your world falls apart and you don't know how to deal with it in, in a healthy way, you turn to unhealthy coping mechanisms. Right. Um, yep. So, Terry, I guess they didn't want him doing lines of coke on the show. So <laughs> a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, well, Katie, this is something uh, we talked about um, a while ago. And to make this connection for that, the way that 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 sees that that fight ends with with John Kreese kind of give you know telling Tori to do her own thing. Something um, I really like the two Creed movies that Ryan Coogler did um, with Michael B. Jordan. The second Creed movie is it's essentially a rematch of um, Rocky Four. You know, Ivan Drago's son is fighting Rocky's apprentice, and. The wonderful thing is, is when Drago's son is losing at the end of Creed two, he's just getting pummeled by by Creed. The fa- his father walks over and throws in the white towel, calls the fight because like his son is losing and any more brutality is just going to mess him up physically and emotionally. So he yeah. throws in the towel. He gives in. And we talked about how important that could be for Crease for Crease to kind of give Tori, I mean, it's not the same thing, but he kind of gives Tori the, you know, the, the ability to, to, to make the right choice for her. Um, he let her become an adult. He, yeah. you know, he takes his hands off the reins, you know, he lets her make her own choices and be an adult the way he won't let Terry be an adult. Sorry. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, something I, I another thing I wanted to to mention um, because it had me thinking as we've talked about like Terry Terry Silver and and especially like his early part of the the season his persona of that of being someone who's part of the quote real world right doing the right thing living the right, right way. One of my favorite scenes in season four is when Johnny takes the Miyagi dose to the roof and. It wants them to jump across and make right. sure if they miss to land on a couple of those mattresses laying down there. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, just, great, great you know, scene. What, what if, and what if we miss the mattresses? Just try not try to, not to. Yeah. try not to. <laughs> it would um, not be good. Yeah. Um, but when Sam kind of dresses him down, right. And, mm. uh, you know, calls him, calls him a loser. And, 
you know, basically says like, oh, you know, because he's like, you know, you've you've made mistakes. Who runs into somebody's car and drives off? And she's like, I'm a teenager. I made a mistake. You're an adult who's drinks all day. Right. Like she kind of gives him this dressing down like he's a loser. And I love Johnny's response that it's ultimately, you know what? I get to do what I love every day. And I'm not sitting at a stupid desk doing what my parents told me I was supposed to do or you know, I didn't just fit the mold. I didn't do this predetermined path that was laid out for me because I knew I would be miserable. So I'm doing what I love. And it, and I think that's one, I love that because it's Johnny really owning his lifestyle. It's him really owning, like he's proud of where he is right now. Um, but it's also, I think the moment where Sam feels something for Johnny Right. Um, and, and feel something insofar as like him being a proper sensei, um, because, you know, so much of the, the tension that's built between her and Miguel or so they think is, you know, Sam seems to have this predetermined path because she's a person of privilege and of wealth and, you know, she's going to go to this great school and then she's going to get this great job and blah. And Miguel's feeling that tension of like, well, my, my family isn't a family of immigrants and we're poor. Um, like it's, it's intimidating. Um, but when, you know, and, and Sam is clearly ch- ch- chafing at this idea of this predetermined life. And I think Johnny is, you know, he's a witness to her right there in that moment of like, I denied that because it's not what I wanted. And I think it, it reminds her that she can also deny that predetermined path, that she has the freedom to choose her own way. Well, yeah, it's it's the ah, she's learning to live without fear, you know, oh, that's all, gosh, I, I want all of us to, to have that, to live without fear, because I think, you know, she, before that moment, um, Sam looked at Johnny and she was all like, well, that's what's going to happen to me. If I break away from, you know, my life of privilege, I'm going to be this 50 year old man who drinks all day and you know doesn't do anything with his life. And he goes like, Hey, I have a great life. And that's when she's like, Oh my God he has a great life, like you know, <laughs> just that freedom, that knowledge that, you know, she's going to be okay. You know, if, if she has the strength and the determination and, you know, the bravery to, to, to see it, you know, then she can do whatever she wants. Like, it's not going to be easy. You know, it's, it's definitely won't be as easy as just, you know, taking her dad's money and, you know, doing what she's told, but, you know, she, she has it in her and then she takes that leap. And I love that for her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yep. like when he says to her, you know, you, if you want to keep living in the back seat, feel free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, we were saying earlier how, you know, how, how Johnny and Miguel really are the heart and soul of the Cobra Kai story. Um, and I got to say, I absolutely like to me, my favorite scene because of how heartbreaking it is, is after, you know, Johnny gets jumped by by Terry and he loses that fight and he's getting drunk on the floor of his apartment. Again, there's some similarities between Johnny and Terry, right? Like when things don't go their way, they just they don't know how to cope uh, in healthy yeah. ways. Right. So yeah. Miguel comes in um, and he's coming in from prom himself a bit rattled. Um, yeah. and he's helping Johnny to bed and Johnny just breaks down, you know, and, and, and is admitting the fact that he, he just doesn't want to mess this up. Right. Like he wants to be the right type of father. And Miguel just says, I love you. 
It's just, and it's just so beautiful the way he, he says it. And then Johnny immediately tears up and says, I love you too, Robbie. And you're just like, because <laughs> like in the previous scene, right, when Robbie and Miguel are fighting by the pool at yeah. the after prom party, he says, my dad's just with you to because he feels guilty for, you know, screwing up with me. So, mm-hmm. you know, he like yeah, he, you're just his replacement. Kid. Yeah. 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 Yep. So he's got like that that little. And and I think, you know, that scene is just like, oh, it sucks so much. It sucks. I love it, but it sucks. Yeah. It hurts. It hurts so much. And, and like, I think because then we, we really only have the final two episodes after that. And you can tell that obviously Miguel's relationship with Johnny is now troubled because I think he's not, he's not I don't think he 100% buys Robbie's untruth that he don't you know that Johnny only cares about Miguel because of his screw up with Robbie. I think right. Miguel has lived through three and a half seasons of Johnny genuinely caring and loving him. Yeah. And so that's why, like, even though he says that there, I don't think Miguel is like 100 percent. But at the same time, it does, you know, it opens up for him, like the next part of his journey for him that he needs to understand about himself is where he comes from, where his, you know, right. who his father is, um, which is obviously what propels us into season five for, for Johnny and Miguel, because Johnny promises to go find him, find, you know, exactly. he's going to go take care of this. Um, so oh, you Johnny, know. Johnny, not knowing a word of Spanish is going to go to yes. Mexico. Oh my okay. Gosh. Good job. <laughs> Great. Yes. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. He's just going to be pouring out like, you know, old, old El Paso, like t- hot sauce, expecting it, like thinking it's authentic. <laughs> oh my um, God. I, he's just going to be like, I would say he could at least like use a translator app, but he doesn't yeah. know he doesn't how to use, use his a phone. phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, Johnny. Oh. Well, that was the thing. I was almost like, why doesn't Carmen just go with him? At least she speaks Spanish. But it's right. just like, no, I think I think the idea is that her ex-husband might hurt her if she goes. So, yeah. 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 Uh, good luck, Johnny. I good know. luck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As Lando would say, you're going to need it. You're um, going to need it. Oh. Um, oh, my gosh. Well, and I. Oh, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Because I'm, I'm. Oh, we're both. We're both like after you. After you. <laughs> <laughs> we're so courteous. <laughs> Yes, we are. <laughs> I oh, so yeah, that scene hurt me. Like I literally was like, no. Oh, when he said I love you, Robbie, because I knew in my heart that it was going to happen, mm. you know? I've read too much fanfic because that's exactly what happens in every fanfic ever. If a character is drunk and then there's an I love you confession, the wrong name is going to come out of their mouth. Like <laughs> That's just yeah. how fan fiction works, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh, it's because they are linked in his mind. You know, he can, yes, Johnny loves Miguel. He does. With his whole heart, he loves him. But how can he not conflate the two in his head? How can he not conflate, you know, his son's? You know what I mean? He's trying to be a father and, and he's already, you know, failed at it once, quote unquote failed, you know, in his eyes. And and he is afraid of messing it up again. So, of course, those two are going to swirl together in a complicated mismatch because people are complicated mismatches. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So that's not it's not wrong. Johnny's not wrong to feel that way. But, of course, it's going to cut Miguel so deeply yeah. when he finally opens up that way and says, I love you. 
to the man that he wants to accept as his father. And then Johnny says the wrong name. I love you too, Robbie. Oh, it hurts. It feels so emotionally raw and authentic. And it's just good writing. I mean, there's a reason it happens in all the fanfics. (laughs) Yeah. It's that's that good drama right there. Oh, and you know, I think we talk a lot about how, you know, these, uh, these pairs need to come together and be good to each other. These little dyads all need to come together for the show to be healed and complete. There is something between Miguel and Robbie. That's just, they need to be good to each other. Mm -hmm. They need to learn how to be brothers. You know, I think they're very much, mm, maybe not a dyad. Maybe I don't want to go that far because we haven't seen them like, interact in a real meaningful way but they are connected they're linked you know through through johnny if nothing else and if this family is going to work if this family is going to come together then miguel and robbie need to learn how to be brothers they need to learn how to be good to each other and you know johnny johnny and miguel are the heart of the show and they need to come together but if things are bad between Miguel and Robbie at the end of the series, then it won't feel complete. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I'm wondering, I want to theorize about the future just a little bit. I am wondering if Robbie will go with Johnny to Mexico. I mean, I, I can honestly see it going either way. If Johnny mm-hmm. goes alone, I'll understand that and I'll be okay with that. But I don't know. I that idea won't quite leave me alone. The idea that Robbie might go with him. Maybe Robbie knows some Spanish. Okay, <laughs> he could be helpful. <laughs> you know, and, and to be like to really bring Miguel back to their family, I think would be. I don't know. That would be very meaningful for mm. you know his future stepbrother to do that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Thoughts, Carl? Thoughts? Yeah. No. I. You know. I mean. I don't. I don't see him going with him. Right. Um, right. But I right. feel like I, again, I, it, this is something that's going to obviously, I, I would imagine is going to pick right up as season five starts is if, you know, Johnny is going to go, there's no question about that, but he, I feel like he can't just go without f- working out why he's going for Robbie. Right. Right. Um, right. I mean, I think the, the, the one scene that, probably made me cry the hardest this season was when Robbie goes to Johnny in the last episode in the old dojo and you know like there's some level of again the start of reconciliation there's still the work to be done Um, but they've started right that Robbie's opened the door Um, and Johnny's waiting right like Johnny is waiting Um, he knows he knows how much he's messed up and he wants to make it right okay Um, mutual agreement it's what I've been saying oh this yeah they're both ready (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, They're ready to have that relationship. Yeah. So I feel like it'd be really irresponsible of Johnny to leave for Miguel if Robbie's doesn't understand. Right. I feel like he has to. I I would love it if Robbie goes with him. I just don't see that happening. Um, 
but uh, not to say that you're wrong or that's a bad theory. I just, no, no, no. Yeah, I, just, I, I, f- I totally understand yeah. because I also, I'm struggling to see it in my head. I'm struggling to see this like father son road trip to rescue <laughs> Miguel. You know, like I, yes, I'm also struggling to envision it, but just something about the idea won't leave me alone. And maybe it's, mm. it's more of a fanfic, you know, that I need to write rather than <laughs> something that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but no, what you're saying about how it would, I also feel like it would be very irresponsible for Johnny to leave things with Robbie like that right now when Robbie is finally ready. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah, again, this idea that they're all becoming adults now. Yeah. You know, they're, they're all, oh, yeah, they're all really ready to mature and to stand on their own feet. And part of that, you cannot be an adult until you're ready to accept responsibility for your own actions. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. And Robbie coming to his dad and, and being like, I messed up big time. I ruined this kid, uh, Kenny, you know, he's like, I passed on so much anger to onto him and it was a huge mistake. And Johnny being like, Hey, listen, you put that on me. You know, he offers Robbie some absolution to be all like, you take all of Mm. that. You put that on me. Mm. And Robbie saying, I'm sick of blaming you dad Mm. wow that's that's so that's powerful that for me more than anything is what makes robbie an adult now is Mm. that he is ready to be all like i own my mistakes and instead of just constantly projecting them onto you that's powerful that like you carl i also cried Uh, you're making me tear up right now katie (laughs) yes oh my gosh Um, yeah yeah it's Oh, well, and yeah. real, just a real quick note about Robbie, something I think what I really appreciate about Robbie's journey in season four is he's kind of he's kind of in survivor mode. Um, yeah. He's he's Kira in a lot of ways from Solo. Oh, um, yeah. He's figuring out how to survive this kind of wild world he's found himself in. Right. Um He's been pulled into the drama and bullshit of Daniel and Johnny and, you know, and he says this several times to Dan- when Daniel like goes to talk to him and try to talk him in, you know, talk him out of Cobra Kai um, is Robbie's not there because he particularly he's a, he's not a true believer, right? Like he's not Cobra Kai's till I, you know, Cobra Kai till I die or anything like that. <laughs> Cobra Kai for life. <laughs> yeah. He makes it very clear. He's just there to learn what he needs to win. Right. Yep. Like that's right. his, that's kind of his modus operandi, if you will, for the season is he wants to figure out how to survive all this. So he's going to take what he can get. He's going to take all these things. I mean, it's, it's the same thing Sam is kind of doing too, is he's going to take things being offered to him and try to make them his own. Um, but the you know i think something that's similar in his journey to tories is they they're coming at this like the world is against them um right, and, right. and 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 obviously we haven't talked about this much and, and we don't have to go into tremendous detail but i think that's a you know that's the beautiful thing about tory and amanda's relationship this season oh i loved their relationship yeah. this season yeah and yep. you know it's it's amanda trying to teach tory um that maybe not the whole world is against you, that maybe if you just ask for help, people actually want to help you. Um, yeah. And But I also love that Amanda has to kind of learn that she's a bit ignorant of the way things are, right? Kind of like you right. made this point earlier, Katie, right? Like that 
the old stories have always been this is the good guy, this is the bad guy. And for Amanda, you know, Tori is just the bully who broke into her home and assaulted her daughter. Um doesn't yep. doesn't think about the consequences of, you know, when she first goes to address her and gets her fired. Um and then John Kreese paints the picture to her that she doesn't yeah. get to live this beautiful plush lifestyle like Amanda's children. And, yep. you know, some of us have it harder than others. And, yeah. and Amanda, like, I love that Amanda has to learn a lesson here and she learns it quickly. It seems much quicker yes. than her husband. Um, <laughs> but she learns that like, yeah, wow, we have had it pretty easy. Um, and not just, and again, like I just, if, if I can be somewhat like, I know these sorts of conversations make a lot of people uncomfortable, but to right. talk about the reality of privilege Amanda is quick to understand that she has it and understands that, you know, the fact that she has it doesn't make her evil, right? Like, you know, there's so many people right now because when these conversations come up, they're like, I work really hard too. It's like, yeah, no one said you didn't work hard for what you have, but you often don't have to surmount the things that people of color do or, you know, fill in any minority group. Right. Um, and, and yes, Tori's still a white, a white girl, but she's had a much harder life than Amanda has ever known. And right. when that's brought to Amanda's attention, her initial response is just frankly, a kind of pathetic charity offer, right? Like it is almost yeah. belittling. Like I bought you some groceries. Like that's kind of a slap in the face. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't the best way to handle that. Yeah. It, yeah. And so, yep. yeah, but so when Amanda understands that she was kind of, you know, her, her heart is clearly right in the right place, but she needs to learn how to properly care. And she does. And I, I just love that that's a lesson for all of us who have any form of privilege that like, in order to really affect change, we have to be willing to understand that which we don't understand. Right. Yeah. And be willing to listen to the voices of those living through the things we don't know. Um, and I just think that's such a powerful lesson that she comes to to offer to us as viewers. Yeah, I I really liked I love everything about Crease and Tori's relationship. It It's such a necessary part of the show for me. And it was so necessary for me to be able to buy into Crease's character, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to buy into his redemption, quite honestly. You know, and yeah, when he goes to Amanda and he's like, some kids aren't as lucky as yours, yeah. you know, uh, I, oh, it's so good because, yeah, Amanda, you know, I, I'm not sure what her privilege was growing up, but we do know that she um, she tells the story about how she uh, took a baseball bat to her teacher's car with yeah. the teacher still inside of it. oops you know so she obviously you know she also struggled with that anger and you know i think she can see that you know in tori's place if she was in tori's situation you know and also had all of this anger and you know no one to put it on you know she would do the same thing she would also you know focus on this spoiled little princess you know she sees sam as a spoiled little princess you know and and project all of that anger onto her, you know. Amanda so immediately relates to that. Um, you're right in a way that her husband never really does, yeah. <laughs> you know. And I was quite moved. I, I really was by how, yeah, how by the end of it, they 
Tori and Amanda are able to like actually talk to each other and that Amanda is able to like actually see Tori, you know, and see her not as, yeah, as a villain, you know, not as just the girl that broke into her house and assaulted her daughter, but as just a young person who is very, you know, struggling yeah, and trying her best. And that quite touched me at any, any time two characters are able to like really see each other. That's powerful. I, yeah. I appreciated that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, well, I think there's a couple other characters we should tackle. Yeah, uh, let's do it. Namely, of course, Hawk and Dimitri. <laughs> yeah, they it, time the Eagle sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I have to do it too. It'll yeah. go. <laughs> and then I'm on my couch doing the same thing. <laughs> uh, well, and I love how we, again, we get a realistic consequence to, you know, where Hawk has been the previous three seasons. He, he, right. And, and this, this tends to be the case so often in life where bully people that are bullied when they get the opportunity become bullies. And I'm sorry, Katie, but I, I see this all the time in star Wars fandom. Like, People that are often bullies in Star Wars fandom, it's like, I feel like they grew up getting bullied because they were in the nerdy group, but now because for whatever reason, you know, like they're successful in life, whether it's because they're really educated or have a really good job or they feel like they have this elite status, now they've become the bully. (laughs) So just just calling that out real quick because there's a lot of that in the Star Wars community. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you'll be, yeah. If you're bullied, the moment you have like an in-group, you become super protective of that in-group and, and yeah. And you'll bully anybody, any perceived threat to that in-group. So yeah, it, it's not surprising to me that the star Wars fandom has that problem because, you know, when you're bullied outside of the star Wars fandom, you know, you, you become very attached to, you know, this, this new group that accepts you. And you can see that with Hawk, you know, where yeah. he was so bullied that the moment he has this in group, you know, this, these Cobra, this Cobra Kai family, you know, it means so much to him. And the smallest threat to that, like a bad Yelp review, like Dimitri says, yeah. you know, calls them snake in the grass or whatever, you know, Oh my God, he gets so upset. Hawk gets so upset and yeah, becomes this bully. And he spends seasons two and three just kind of being the worst. Yeah. Like the actual worst. But then at the end of season three, he turns that corner. He chooses friendship over power. Mm, You love to see it. You love when somebody chooses friendship over strength, you know, over like perceived strength, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And. And, and then, but then there's actual consequences in season four where people are like, yeah, you're on the quote unquote good team now, but that doesn't change the fact that you were a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what I love, right? Like we, we continue that there are real consequences. And, and again, I, I just, um, you know, real quick, like it's so sad that we lost Bob Saget, you know, earlier this month. I mean, I grew up loving full house. Um, but Full House and like that era of 80s, early 90s sitcoms, everything always had like this rosy ending, right? Like everything was always happily ever after, which just, you know, that's not usually real life. And I love, mm-hmm. again, like how the writing of Cobra Kai is this, this reality that like these 
kind of wild things that happen, they have consequences. And, and like you said, that's exactly what Hawk is dealing with. Um, he is such a different character all seasons. And, and when I say different, I don't mean like like not in line with where he was, but he's he's clearly struggling to figure out his place here. He feels so listless in a way you know like nobody really wants him at first because of you know and then because daniel's being a jerk and he's like you know mr larusso i'm you know i'm really nobody what did you expect you burned all those bridges it's like oh jerk that killed me (laughs) yeah that killed me yeah in the beginning of this season the fact that no one declares for hawk no one says i want him i claim him you know what i mean like you know Uh, It would have been so different if, you know, his peers are, you know, unaccepting of him, but one of the adults declares for him and is like, I want him here. But no, Johnny and Daniel both fail him in that way. And so when neither the adults declare for him and his peer group is like, oh, we don't know about this kid. Of course, he like immediately falls off. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But then there's that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. But like how quickly he picks himself up. Because, mm. I mean, he sees that picture of the uh, Okinawan, um, you know, like dueling stage or whatever, right? Yeah, like Dimitri right, right. points it out to him. And then the next episode opens with him carrying a sledgehammer. And you're just like, <laughs> oh, geez, like he is just going to F up the dojo. Yeah. And again. Again. Yeah. Again. Again. Exactly. <laughs> and instead, he just he figures out a way for them to work together. Um, yes. I love that. I loved that for Hawk this season where Hawk kind of, even more than Sam, I think Hawk became this kind of representation of the middle way, Mm -hmm. you know, Yeah. where, I mean, obviously that's part of Sam's story where Sam is trying to, you know, uh, be Johnny, Johnny's be Daniel's heir apparent, but also do it in her own way and take on some of uh, of Johnny's teachings. I keep messing up everybody's names today. We're just going to have to live with it and keep going. Anyway, so that's part of Sam's story. But Hawk very much to me embodied this idea of the middle way where, like you said, he's the one that comes in with a sledgehammer and starts knocking down barriers, literally knocking down barriers to be all like, we're not divided anymore. We are one dojo. And then he's the one who shows up. the purple mohawk (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) the purple mohawk so you know the cobra kai kids sorry the eagle fang kids always wear red and the uh miyagi do kids always wear blue hawk shows up wearing purple the middle way (laughs) love it yes I loved that so much. And then he's the one, spoiler alert, at the very end, he wins the uh, the, the boys tournament by using both styles, by combining yes. Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang to rise to well, the top. And Cobra Kai. Mm. And co- right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah, Cobra Kai teachings. Yes, he, yeah. he merges all of it together <sighs> it's so to good. find the middle way. I yeah. love that. Well, and you and I, <sighs> you know, we we texted about the scene with him and Moon because you know now Moon is 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 available again, and <laughs> um, when she goes and right because like once once he gets jumped by the Cobra Kai kids and they they shave off oh, his head, like he seems to lose Carl, his sense of identity. Oh, uh, that scene! That scene caught me by surprise. It was in. I'm going to use this word in its attended purpose. 
triggering. Mm. Oh, that scene. Yeah, I, I had to physically get off the couch and like I was compelled to get off the couch and retreat during that scene. Mm. Well, he's half naked. Yeah. They hold him down. I mm, 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 mm. That scene was intense. And I'm glad that they treated it with the with gravitas and weight. You know what I mean? Like he shows up afterwards looking very haggard and everybody is like this was not okay yeah what just happened to you was not okay because i think there was maybe a temptation to treat it as a joke to be all like oh you got your mohawk shaved off tee hee right it's not funny especially if you're going to shoot it like that you know the way the scene was shot yeah it's not funny yeah no it's it's no Mm. and and i think though i was like i mean I mean, I think the most brutal scene from the season is obviously Stingray getting his butt whooped by Silver, which even still was yeah. done tactfully enough, right? Like, we don't need brutality yeah. in the show. That's not what this Mm-mm. is about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yet, there, I, I would, I would argue that this scene with with Hawk is the most brutal scene of the season. Absolutely, um, yeah. And the way yep. it just shakes him to his core, it takes his best friend to bring him back. Exactly. Um, and, Dimitri and, declares for him. Finally, yes. someone declares for him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and like he, I mean, right. The whole thing is about your hair. Isn't who you are. Like your, I, you know, all of those things that you have become and all the things that you have been embodying, those are in you, right? It doesn't matter what yeah. your hair and, and moon just kind of reminds him of that. Um, and when, you know, when they, when they have that kiss before the finals match, um, yeah. you know, and, and you, you said this to me, but like, right. You, you pointed out like it's great that she's not the prize for after he yes. wins, right? Right. Um yeah, it was so important that she kisses him before the fight. You know what I mean? Instead of like you won. Now I like you. Now you have value, you know, or or you know, now you have earned me. You know what I mean? It yeah, it was really important that she likes him win or lose and she kisses him before the tournament. And, you know, I've always loved Moon. I have such affection for her. I, I think the part that made me like, be like, this is, this is my girl. This is, you know, we're going to keep an eye on Moon for the rest of this series. It was when she broke up with, uh, with Hawk. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. well, yeah, when he like really, when he just decided he was going to go full a-hole and she was like, no, we're done. And she like, you know, she touches his hair and she's like, I like this. And she touches his arm and she's like, and I like these, you know, she likes the hawk. She likes the muscles. And she says, but I won't date a bully. So, you know, she'll date a fighter. She doesn't object necessarily to the karate. She just won't date someone who uses the karate for evil, (laughs) you know, to hurt people. She's not about that. Um, but then when he turns that corner and shows real, real change, like, you know, on the inside, that's when she starts to see the guy that she liked, you know, yeah. the guy that she fell for in the first place. And, and yeah, and it has nothing to do with the Mohawk. Right. Because yeah, losing the Mohawk, you know, just really shatters his confidence because it was this symbol of like, I'm not going to be a little wimp anymore. I'm not going to let people push me around anymore. It was very much his confidence, Yep. but he doesn't need that to have that worthiness inside of himself. Right. Yep. And I think moon could really see that. And, uh, I just real quick, a sidebar about moon. I like that. Um, I was 
Whew, I for a split second thought that she was going to join Eagle Fang <laughs> when they were trying to recruit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. a a, yeah. a new um, female fighter for Eagle Fang. And then they walk up and the moon is like, oh, hey, what you doing? I was like, <gasps> moon. <laughs> but then like she doesn't want to actually. She's like, oh, I would have to hit people in the face. I'm good, actually. And yeah. her strength comes from lifting people up and seeing the best in them and, you know, and supporting them. Yep. You know, she heals with love. She fights with love. And I think we're going to need that to heal the All Valley. You know what I mean? Like the fighting, you know, the karate itself isn't a problem. You know, we're, there are times to be aggressive, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we, but we need both. The, the pure aggression, the fighting alone isn't going to solve things. It's not going to heal the All Valley. We're also going to need love, man. Love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. Well, the, the reason I like that scene so much, too, and, and I know I told you this already, but I love the Rudolph Claymation movie from the 60s. And when, <laughs> little, when Clarice gives Rudolph... Uh, the, she whispers in his ears, Rudolph, I think you're cute. And then he takes off. He's the first reindeer from the youngling group to take off and fly. Um, yes. You know, he just, it, it just, <laughs> she thinks I'm cute. She thinks I'm cute. And it's like, and I just, to be fair, this season, I don't recall any of the other previous seasons having any F words in them. We had two in season four. And they're both <laughs> perfect in my opinion i love it when johnny and daniel are sitting at the bar arguing and the bartender comes over and he just goes shut get the fuck away you know um but when i love this moment when 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 hawk like has that moment with moon she reminds him of the truth of who he is and he just right like and and this is the thing i think we always need to keep remembering we probably haven't talked about this enough but these are teenagers yeah these are adolescents (laughs) They have a lot of growing up to do, and they're really in the middle of it. And um, having worked with this age group for several, several years now, you know, the importance of getting affirmation from people you care about is so important. And right. And like part of part of teaching people how to grow up is to learn that the self-affirmation always has to come from the self. But there is such a need for it in adolescence. So for him to get that, it reminds him. But then I just. It's it's probably my one of my favorite uses of the F word ever when he just goes and he's like, I know who I am now. Yeah, who's that? The guy who's gonna win this whole fucking thing. Like just yeah. and then his theme starts, and his theme song is my favorite piece of music in this show. And yes. and like Yup. And he just goes out there and and just and he does it. He does what he says. His focus determined his reality. Um, uh. For, for the love of his lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh, I love that. I, you know, like Star Wars, you know, I think has lost sight of why we fight the wars. You know, yeah. why do we fight the wars? Why do we fight? It's, you know, for, for love. We should fight, you know, if we're going to fight, it should be to save what we love. And Hawk, I think, was a man who had nothing to fight for. And now, inspired by the love of his lady, he he has something, you know? And I think the man who has something fights harder than the man who doesn't, you know? Yes, absolutely. <gasps> absolutely. Uh, I was quite taken with it. I, yeah. I enjoyed that Moon and, and Hawk got back together. Speaking of which... Sorry, I keep almost calling him Eli, but I prefer to call him Hawk, even though I suppose 
in post season four, it no longer matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but before, before season four, uh, he was always saying, you know, my name's Hawk. That was his chosen name. And names are important. Mm-hmm. And when somebody tells you this is my name, you need to respect that. You know what I mean? You need to show them like the, the basic human respect of calling them by their chosen name. And so when Dimitri would be all like, his name is Eli, I'd be like, no, stop it. I don't care if you think Hawk is stupid. You don't get to make that choice. You know what I mean? It was like the most um, uh, unappealing thing about Dimitri to me was how he was always calling Hawk Eli when his chosen name was Hawk. But then in season four, I loved Daniel for, you know, when when Hawk decides he's going to start fighting again, he comes to fight from Miyagi-Do. Uh, Daniel welcomes him in with open arms, welcomes mm-hmm. him in and says, yeah, welcome, Eli. Or is it Hawk? You know, he gives him that choice. He's yeah. like, what What do you choose to be called? Eli says it doesn't matter. So, I, you know, he, he has decided that it doesn't matter, so I should let it go. It's just out of pure habit. I just keep calling him Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> well, because it's because you can't help yourself but hear that eagle scream in your head, Katie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, eagle. It's a freaking hawk. Come on, Carl. It's a hawk. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know. <laughs> uh, um, well, Katie, for the sake of time, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of like, I, and I, I know there's still like a million things we could, we both. Could oh, there's and so want many characters yes. in this show. We- um, <laughs> but I. I want to hit on the the two last characters that I think are really important in the season, and they're essentially new in the season, which is, of course, Kenny and and Anthony. Yeah. Um, I mean, Anthony is basically new. We've seen him before. Yes. But he was never a character before season four. He was just a prop piece in a lot of ways. He really was. Yep. Um, Yep. And I like that that almost seems to be the reflection on him. You Again, know, like, like he's become consequences. A, yeah. The show has consequences. Yes. And the show is like, oh my God, Dan- we gave Daniel LaRusso a son and then we never talked about him for three years. He was just in his room for three years. You know, the, there's the real consequence of, well, what was he doing for three years? He was playing video games. Yep. All he knows is video games. <laughs> yes. And so real quick, I just want the the scene that I found most alarming with Daniel and Anthony is after, you know, it's been found out that Anthony's actually the bully at school. He gets suspended for a while and he's supposed to have no screen time. And Daniel goes into his room, gives him his Mr. Miyagi talk, and he hears the hears something chime, right? Some, he's clearly mm. using technology. And yep. he pulls out the iPad, which, again, super important to point out that it looks to be the same game that Kenny's playing at the beginning of the show. Um, and, you know, like to your point, Katie, for three seasons, we've barely seen him because he's lost in that world because it doesn't seem like his father has invested in him. And no, nope. I mean, yeah. it doesn't seem that Amanda has really either. Like, we don't see yeah. her with him. Um, and, uh, you know, so like that that digital world has become a safe place for him, right? It's a place mm-hmm. where he can be and feel alive. And for Daniel to come in and smash it so violently, yeah. right? Yeah. Like he, he destroys Anthony's safe space in a sense, yep. right? And that's why I yeah. love when we get that great scene with who's supposed to be his cousin, who's in real life, his daughter. Um, I yeah. love that Ralph Macchio's <laughs> daughter is in the show is the cousin that gives him and Amanda a talking to from a therapist yep. perspective. 
Yep. Um, but yeah, like it's so alarming. And that's clearly Daniel showing a little bit of the aggression of Eagle Fang. Um, but yeah, I mean, he destroys Anthony's safe world. Um, I, yeah, the I same was way also, that, yeah. yeah. Well, in the same way that Anthony terrorizes Kenny for using that safe world. Right, right. No, you're, you're exactly right. It, uh, I don't know what to make of that scene. I keep coming back for, to it because I'm not sure if it was supposed to be as shocking and alarming as it came across because I too was quite alarmed because I don't think a parent under any circumstances should go into a kid's room and just start breaking things. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not going to get you what you want. And it's not the cure all that the show portrays it as because the next day, you know, suddenly Anthony is doing his chores without being asked and it's treated as like, Oh my God, this is what, this was the wake up call that the kid needed all along. So, and, and it, and it's also treated as like, you know, that's Daniel's turning point of like, oh my gosh, sometimes Johnny's techniques actually work. Sometimes kids do need to be shaken up a little bit. So I, I am wondering if that scene wasn't supposed to be quite so alarming, if it was supposed to be just like, you know, Daniel has reached his breaking point and, you know, he's not, you know, he's done messing around and he's going to, you know, really pay attention to his son and be all like, no, you listen to me. You don't listen to these games. You know, I wonder if that's how it was meant. Yeah. Or maybe in season five, because we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen and what kind of path Anthony is on. We do know that he was bullying Kenny, cyberbullying him. And now Kenny is, you know, learns karate, which Anthony doesn't know. And he's now going to start physically abusing Anthony. We've already seen him physically abuse Anthony. That was at the in the very last episode. You know, Kenny just went off on Anthony and beat the crap out of him. And then he literally said, get ready for high school next year because you're in for a world of pain. Yep. So I don't know. Perhaps the consequence of Daniel smashing Anthony's iPad is that Anthony no, will no longer feel safe going to his father to, you know, with these sort of problems and with you know, I'm being beat up at school. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there will be a consequence for, for Daniel doing that because it didn't sit right with me either, but it might've just been bad direction or bad, you know, a, a miscalculation on behalf of the writers. I don't know at this point. Well, I think what's worth noting is, is that next morning when he's taking the trash out unsolicited yeah. and Amanda says to Daniel, I don't know what Miyagi voodoo or magic you worked but good job <laughs> and then she walks off right and we the camera right. pans in on daniel looking perplexed because it wasn't anything from miyagi right mm -hmm. it, it was an eagle thing <laughs> so exactly yeah um yeah, yeah it's mm, because i don't i don't know is are we supposed to intuit that anthony has now learned respect or are we supposed to intuit that he is now freaking terrified because if mm. your kids are scared of you they'll do chores right. do you want your kids to be scared of you yeah mm, i don't yeah. know yeah i don't know it could it could honestly go either way right. i don't know right no. yeah um, but talk to me about kenny though like what another surprise i was yeah i was very surprised by kenny this season wasn't yeah. seeing that at all my, I mean, I, I love, I love him dancing at the bus stop. It's adorable. It's <laughs> so, so cute. 
Um, but I mean, I think what's I think one of the the really smart things about Kenny is when it's revealed that his brother was the one that had been bullying Robbie. Right. Um, and now they're friends. And now they're friends. <laughs> and um, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to remember what the brother's name is. I know his last name's Payne. Um, interesting. Oh, I don't remember oh, either. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember it either. I feel bad. But um, but right when he goes to visit him in, in, in juvie and kind of says, I know someone you can talk to. And yeah, I mean, and it's again, well, to and that it's point, in the point we were talking about earlier, right, Katie, is when the bullied becomes the bully. Yeah. Um, that's Kenny's path this this um, this season. And um, I think it's a reflection on, you know, how do we how do we really deal with bullying? And I think, yeah. right, Kenny, Kenny kind of has that old mentality that a lot of us have seen in stories before. It's 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 kind of the reason Daniel LaRusso learns karate. Right. Is yeah. Oh, you don't want to get bullied anymore. Well, here, learn how to kick someone's ass. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's not really the right solution. And Robbie's the one that recognizes that. Yeah. Um, well, it's just like you see that realization at the end where he's like, wait a second. Anthony LaRusso was your bully yeah. where you just know you see it all click in Robbie's head where he's like, if I had handled this differently, if I had been like, let's go talk to your bully. He would have found out it was Anthony LaRusso and they could have solved this problem with words. Yep. You know? Yep. Oh my God. And it's just, you know, that that is a big theme this season because you see it with um when Sam goes to talk to Aisha. Like Aisha Yeah. yeah. Finally closure. Closure on Aisha. I'm oh, you love to see it, Carl. Yeah, I love to see it. <laughs> and Aisha says that um when she started up at a new school. You know, the yes. first minute she walked in, she knew exactly who her bully was going to be. Like this girl with pink for days, <laughs> mm, you know, the type like, you know, yeah. was, it, you know, took one look at Aisha's body type and her clothes and was like, mm, I'm going to pick on her. But Aisha struck first. But did that mean punching her in the face? No, it meant going up to her and saying, hey, I like your shoes, you know, being nice and making a friend before she could become an enemy and sam hears that and she goes okay i'll strike first when tori comes back to school i'm gonna show a tough front and show her that she can't push me around which you know i understand how she got there this is a girl who scarred her and mm -hmm. you know beat the crap out of her you know what i mean you're it's a natural reaction to be like, I'm going to show a tough face. I'm going to show that you can't push me around. You know what I mean? That's understandable, but you just know it breaks your heart because you just know that if Sam had walked up to Tori on Tori's first day back to school and been like, Hey, let's put all of this behind us. You know, we're just both trying to graduate, you know, or, or even if it was like, Hey, you stay away from me. I'll stay away from you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if she had shown any amount of stepping forward, any amount of, you know, reconciliation, Tori would have been all over it because Tori was finally in the place where she's like, I just want to graduate. Yeah. I just want to keep my head down. But no, Sam had to be like all aggressive and yeah. How do you deal with a bully? It's yeah. 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 Yeah, we got some lessons on how not to. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, I think it is really interesting 
that Anthony and Kenny um, to go, you know, I mean, you've been talking about these, these, these duels, the duality of characters, right? These little diets, right. if you will, yeah. um, maybe diets too strong a word, but Anthony and Kenny are linked at this point. Yeah. And yeah. I think they are a lot more alike clearly than different. I mean, that was Anthony for three seasons. He was and and you know, the scene when they're pretending to be that, the, the girl, um, and they're baiting, you know, Kenny <laughs> and, um, and when Anthony gives like the full rundown of the character he's talking about, cause, cause Anthony loves that world too. Right. But yes, he loves video games. Yep. Yep. But because he's in middle school where middle schoolers, trust me, are mean. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and, and all about like group acceptance, right? Like he, he just, he's so quick to cave to the pressure at that point, mm-hmm. which of mm-hmm. course he is. He's a kid. Um, so I think that, you know, they are the, they, they as well, just like Robbie and Miguel need that healing. Sam and Tori need to be healed together. And that's Kenny and, um, and Anthony. Yeah. Um, yeah. These little, these little, yeah, these little pairs all need to like find balance with each other. That, it's all, that's all it is. That's this entire show is finding balance. So yeah, when, once all these little pairs find their balance together, it'll, mm, mm, that'll be the good, the good stuff right there. Mm, yeah. I'm shivering, like just thinking <laughs> about it, like, ah, <laughs> that's uh, the good stuff. <laughs> so the, just the last thing I want to just say, and then I'm, I'm going to be quiet and, I, my favorite new character though, Katie. Yes, is Devin. Devin, she's <laughs> so her. good. When she, when she's at the debate, see, also the fact that Johnny just constantly shows up in the high school is hilarious to me. Because <laughs> yes. they're like, how'd you, how be like, I love Miguel. How he's always so like, he's like, Sensei, how'd you get here? He's like, I used to go to the school. I know all the ways in. Yeah, um, exactly. It's just, but when they like. This, 50-year-old man just yeah. constantly yep. breaking into the high school. All right. MBD. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, like, when she is at that debate, the you know, the debate team scene, and, like, she just leaves her mark. And I don't know, there's just something about her that I, I just – I love this new character. She's a fighter. She like, is that's a what fighter. Johnny says. She's yes. a born fighter. Yep. Yes. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, and you made this comment in a text and I still love it so much is I can't, you know, you were talking about how Johnny's already starting to write up the adoption papers for Devin. So, yes, <laughs> yes, Miguel, Miguel, Robbie and Devin are going to be a beautiful little family. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I hope Miguel is ready to be a big brother because yeah. he's got a little sister. <laughs> like, I just gosh, the writing was so smart because they were like, how do we like just make everybody immediately fall in love with this character. It's like, well, she's just Johnny. She's just Johnny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, like, well she ra- immediately shows up. Like she's done all the homework. Like yep. she's watched all of Johnny's favorite movies. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, and I, I can't and, wait and I love for the more way, of her. Yeah. The way she just kind of like, the humor and the very first scene of her and Johnny. And she's like, hi everyone. I'm Dem and uh, yeah, she, her, and yes. uh, and she, she oh she says my pronouns are she her and yep. Johnny's like the only pronouns in here are oh, I can't remember what he says but she goes I don't those, remember. Are, those are nouns those are nouns <laughs> yeah, yeah she's just like no <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like oh my gosh it's just so funny um I just oh okay we have to just real quick the character that really came out of left field for me this season was Kyler. I'm sorry, Carl, uh, but Kyler. 
Hey, I, I, I won't, I won't shit on your boat, your bro parade. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, just like, I feel like they turned a corner with Kyler this season. Not a full corner. Maybe just a little half turn. You know, maybe just 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 a little. He's listing yes. to the left, okay? <laughs> Where it's just like they, they've turned him from just this full D-bag into just kind of a bro, you know? Where it's just like, point. you yeah. know, he, yeah, he, li- he likes to go to the movies. He li- you know, he he's just a... I don't know. He's just a bro. He's not this full D bag anymore. He's just a guy who just wants to hang out, you know? And I can pinpoint the exact moment where I was like, Oh no, I love Kyler. Now it was when (laughs) practice was over. Karate practice is over. Everybody's getting their things. And he's all like, Hey guys want to go stand in line for shoes with me? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh no. And then Tori like laughs and she goes like, how many shoes do you need? (laughs) (laughs) Carl, I've stood in line for way too many things. Okay. (laughs) And I've been that guy. I've been the one being like, you guys want to go stand in line with me, please. I need company. Come stand in line with me. (laughs) Well, hello, Katie. I mean, we, the, both of us have lived in the star Wars convention world for a while. You know, exactly. We've stood in some lines. Yeah. Yeah. We've stood in some lines and he's going to go stand in line for shoes. Yeah. Which is valid. A lot of people are into that. Um, no, yep. I yep. I appreciate your like. I just I, he he is definitely not a d bag in the way he was. Especially, I mean, he's he's kind of king bully in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right, he's not really that anymore. He's just kind of a he's just kind of the he's kind he, of a doofus. Just kind of a doofus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I do think it was perfect that the fir- that is the first person Hawk beats in the semifinals. Like, and, right. he, and he doesn't beat him. I mean, he 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 wipes the floor with him. Uh, yeah. Kyler doesn't score one point. Um, yeah, I did like I liked how but, Kyler uh, he crushed like several bricks with his head. Yeah. He, you know what I mean? He does like this headbutt to like yeah. you know destroy several bricks. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> And I will say though, like when, when a Hawk beats Kyler, you mm-hmm. know, again, it's, I mean, think about it. This is the second time he's beaten Kyler. The f- Well, right. no, actually I, I forgot. They don't fight. He, I don't remember the, the kind of heftier kid that was the wrestler that Hawk beats the hell out of yeah. in season two. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, or maybe that's season three. Sorry, but. But it, it I know, scares I know the Kyler. You're talking yeah, about. It scares yeah. Kyler, right? Like Kyler yeah. recognizes like, oh crap. Um, yeah, like, oh no, I don't want to fight you. <laughs> I like that the, when they do fight, it's in the confines of the tournament. And there's there's not a brutality from Hawk this right. time, right? Like he wins the fight. He's the better fighter and he wins it. But it's not like he's relishing the victory for shaming Kyler. He's not putting a severe beat down on him. He just he wins by by just being better at, yeah, at it, you know? It's clean. Yeah. yeah. And there's no, yeah, there's no relishing in it. There's no like, oh, that's what you get. That's what you get. Yeah. Like, you know, there's none of that. It, Yeah, it's very clean. And I need to go back and watch that scene again because I don't really remember how Kyler reacts because isn't he just like, he's disappointed, but he's not like, oh, I'm yeah, going to no, get you. Exactly. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah, there's no there's no threats of vendettas or anything like that th- yeah. you know, hurled. I mean, like, I think he slams the mat. Like, he, he's not, he's yeah. upset. But he's yeah, upset. It's, yeah. But it's not like. Oh, like I'm going to get you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. 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 The, the wheel doesn't necessarily keep turning the same way with those two. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. but, 
Um, Katie, again, I know there's still so much more we can talk about. And <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, I feel like I've said the majority of what I wanted to really say. I, is there any other oh, things last minute? Like, I don't want to, I don't want you to be like, Oh, I really wanted to talk about this and we didn't get it. But, uh, still, still looking for Hillary Swank. Still, uh, still curious about where Julie Pierce is this whole time, but you know, we'll get what we get. <laughs> Do you think my tinfoil hat theory was that it wasn't supposed to be chosen at the very end? I think it was supposed to be Hillary Swank, but then <laughs> maybe she's busy. Maybe I don't know, but I just I had a feeling that it was supposed to be her. But yeah, that's my yeah. tinfoil hat theory. No, well, I have I, no proof. I, I have no proof. <laughs> I have nothing to say because mainly just because I've still never seen that movie. I've never seen. Oh, the we'll watch karate. it. We'll yeah, watch we it. definitely need to watch it. Um, <laughs> and. It was, I'll say like, I love that it was chosen. I'm so excited to see him and Daniel work together. Like I, I, I still think my favorite episode of the whole series was the episode where chosen teaches Daniel how ignorant he is of Miyagi's form. Right. Um, right. That's my favorite episode still of the whole series. So it was yeah. really cool to have chosen back. The interesting thing is I'll say this though, Katie, and I'm, when, when he like turns and looks and he's there it's like, oh, that's really cool. But it kind of reminded me of like that scene in Solo when Enfys Nest takes her helmet off and there's like this big reveal music and you're just like, am I supposed to care about this individual? I've never seen her, right? And it it kind of gave me that vibe yeah. of like, well, what does Chosen, Chosen really have to do with <laughs> the Cobra yeah. guy issue? Like it's, yep. it's never, that's not his fight. Um, why nope. is Daniel? I mean, so, they literally say it. They yeah. literally say, well, I know this, this isn't is, your fight, exactly. but will you help me? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I, I mean, I love that it's him, but it, it, the the weight of it isn't I don't think maybe what they intended but it yeah, maybe, yeah I feel like it would have been a punch if it was Hillary Swank absolutely you know what I mean especially because they're meeting at Mr Miyagi's grave you know yeah, it yeah. oh it would have been a punch if it was her and then you know and then she walks up and she stands next to her karate brother and they bow to Mr Miyagi's you know tombstone like oh that would have been a punch at least for me I don't I don't know yeah. Well, yeah. Ma- and yeah. But that's I, the I, thing. The only reason I, I, the only reason I'm quote unquote disappointed with Chosen, because I think Chosen's great and I can't wait to see more of him. The only reason I'm quote unquote disappointed is because I wanted it to be Julie. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I, I think the writers have said that they have slated to do six seasons, if I remember yes. correctly. And, and I trust that they know where they're going because every season has been perfect. Yes. Um, so there's no reason to think that she won't show up in either season five or season six. Oh, um, I got my fingers crossed. Yeah. And yep. I do think, you know, this isn't, I don't think this is that big of a, 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 a pitch to say, but I'm pretty sure we're going to see Mike Burn Mike Barnes in season four, season five. Oh yeah. Me. That's, you know, the, that's the, coming. The quote villain well, from season three. Yeah. Well, uh, Crease, not Crease, sorry, Silver says that at the end of season four, when Crease is being taken away to prison or jail, whatever, uh, <laughs> Silver says, Hey, don't worry. I'll dig up some old friends to help with Cobra Kai while you're gone. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Okay. So Mike Barnes. Yeah. So Mike Barnes. Yeah. You should have just said Mike Barnes. You should have just said, Don't worry. I'm going to call Mike Barnes. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. So. But I'm already super jazzed for season five. I can't wait. Yes. This it's show already is... been filmed, Carl. Yeah. It already wrapped. Give it to us. Give it to us now. Oh, we... Just give it to us already. Give it to us this yep. summer. Like, don't make us wait till, till <gasps> December again. Just give Please. us a summer release. You know? Oh, we can dream. We can yes. dream. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. oh, all right. Well, oh, goodness gracious. Katie, 
this has been one heck incredible of a, one heck of a cobra kai discussion oh, i've loved it this has been great yep yeah so um yeah well like yeah any last minute things you wanted to to bring up no, i apologize that'll that'll do it for me i'm tapped i yeah i got it all out i feel much better now <laughs> oh the relief carl oh i hear you i hear you um well that said, thank you everyone for checking out this second episode of Marvelous Musings. Uh, looking all things Cobra Kai Season 4. For Katie, I'm Carl. We'll see you next time here as we marvelously muse. I gotta work on that. 